red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to our season premiere. Yeah, I'm, I, that's how I'm going to organize it. Every time we go to a new Matrix movie, it'll be a new, a technically a new season. So right, we're, on, we're on season two of <laughs> The Matrix, which is The Matrix Reloaded. And we discovered today that Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revelations, I think is the third one, they were released in the same fucking year. Yeah, which like, is crazy. Like, one came out, um, I don't know, like January or February of that year, and the other one came out later on, uh, closer to like September or October. Yeah. Which, I don't know of very many franchises that actually do that, where they release no. multiple movies in one year. No, they usually at least wait till the next, like, if... Oh, I think my wife is calling me. Oh, she is. Bye-bye, honey. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> uh, I think, like, even the Marvel movies wait... No, not lately. No. <laughs> They've been releasing, like, fucking three Marvel movies a year. But, like, Star Wars, like, the big franchises at least wait one year. Yeah, bare minimum. And that's like, that's one year before they even start working on, like, making the next one. So it's like two years, three years before you see the next movie come out. Yeah. So we're talking about Matrix Revolutions. We're uh, following up on our Matrix series, our talking points. Um, so we did talk about last time that after we do the Matrix, we might be going to Cyberpunk Edgerunners. And then um, also, I wanted to talk with you a little bit, Hunter, about like the channel. I was, uh, blah, blah, I can't even talk. I was thinking <laughs> we were kind of throwing the idea, idea out there of like talking about fantasy topics as well. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking in the future, this is like way in the future, we might incorporate fantasy into our podcast because it still kind of fits the theme of our podcast, virtual tavern. Yeah. Like tavern. What do you think of when you hear the word tavern? You think medieval, you think fantasy. Yeah. So I think we can we can naturally blend the two. I'm down um, with that. But that's way in the future. But I, I want to leave that door open because I really want to talk about like Lord of the Rings and shit in the future. Yeah, which but, would be pretty sick. Yeah, but that's like, gosh, nine months down the road. We have a back. We're already building a backlog of content. <laughs> we have fucking Matrix to get through. We have the Matrix Four. We have matrix the animatrix yep we have cyberpunk edge runners and then we're probably going to talk about resident evil yep and then we're going to do made uh the cyberpunk game and that's going to be like fucking three months of content right there yeah that game is so fucking in depth that's going to take us forever <clears throat> to get through <laughs> yeah uh so that's a little bit future the preview of the channel um anyway we're talking about matrix reloaded uh so the whole movie it opens up with Trinity again, where I feel like, I can't remember, does the third one open up with Trinity as well? I think so. I think they kind of like stuck with kind of how Resident Evil does with my name is Alice. Like it always starts with Trinity. <laughs> it's just like the running <laughs> gag of my name is Alice. Yeah. Uh, the human man humanity was take killed over by the Umbrella Corporation and like the little vidoc that she does. Yep. Oh, I should mention that we didn't get any emails this week. Wah, wah, wah. So, Destry, you let us down. If you're listening, you should have sent us a second email. Now we're now we're, our our emotions are hurt. <laughs> I had to get a Hunter a subscription to BetterHelp to cope with. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. Even my therapist says I need to get help. 
Uh, so if you would like, if you're a new listener, if you would like to email us, our email is contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. That's contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have anything to say about the Matrix films or just any questions for us in general, reach out to us and you will be featured on next episode. But I've ranted long enough. Let's get into this fucking movie. So it opens up with Trinity again. Uh, it's kind of like a foreshadowing, dark foreshadowing of her fate. Yeah. She's fighting agents and shit. Uh, she's attacking a power plant, which that seemed the motorcycle. Fucking sweet. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful, dude. I fucking love that scene. Like, especially with just how big the fucking fire is from that little motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how the guys in the power plant, they're just like, it's a typical Sunday or Saturday for them. Like, all right, guys, thank you for coming in. Uh, all right, tell, hey, Tim, tell the wife I said hi. You betcha. You still coming to that barbecue tomorrow? All right, lock up when you get out. And then just, boom, big explosion. Yeah, they're all just like, trying to look like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. So Trinity fights some agents. Uh, she falls down a building or whatever the fuck, and they're shooting. And it bugs me every fucking time. When they're shooting at each other in slow-mo, neither of them are hitting anything. She has two automatic fucking Uzis. She's akimboing the motherfuckers, and she can't hit a goddamn thing. Look yeah. at this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's all going right past him. It's not like he's he's not moving left or right. He's flying straight he's down stationary. at her. Yeah. And, like, the only person that hits is the agent. I think eventually she does hit him. Like, once. Yeah, grazes him in the shoulder. Yeah, okay, she hit him. She, she hit she him in the shoulder and the abdomen, but an agent he's gonna walk that off so yeah like you essentially just gave the dude a fucking paper cut and like sent a fucking mosquito over his way or something <laughs> <laughs> so she's falling down the building she fucking hits the car dead and then neo wakes up so it was all a dream um, it was all a dream it was sorry. <laughs> <laughs> neo wakes up in the real world so some time has passed obviously since the second movie or not uh since the first movie we can accurately presume that neo this whole time has been freeing minds and everything and just working on disrupting the matrix there's an undetermined time gap we don't know exactly how much time between the first movie and the second movie has taken place um well we know that it's been long enough for his hair to regrow in the world the real world that's about as much as we know because like before you know oh that might be actually a good gauge of that so, kind of, but, I mean, at the same time, he could also be cutting his hair constantly, Oh, so, I guess that's, yeah. like, not an accurate representation. It would be different if the guy that took over, um, Tank's position, if it was the same actor, and, like, he mm. just had, I don't know, like, his long-ass dreadlocks like this character has. So at I least, can't remember his name. At least a month, yeah. I would say. At bare minimum, a month has gone by, um, probably between the first movie and second movie, like, chronologically in the series. Uh, so Neo wakes up, the Nebuchadnezzar is like flying through the sewers and everything. We don't really know exactly what the plot is or what they're doing in the sewers. Um, we'll learn soon that the whole reason why they're here is trying to get in touch with the Oracle. But Hunter, this whole first act of the movie is messy as fuck. Yeah. Like plot wise, like I, I'm a huge Matrix fan. And even me, like trying to focus on this movie is extremely hard. I, I lose track of names and places and the plot so fucking easily with this movie. Oh yeah, especially like with the meeting that's fixing to come up, like they don't really introduce anybody. They introduce a whole bunch of characters, but you get no names, you get no real like clarification. 
Um, even with Link, I feel like it takes a little bit to get his actual name out. Yeah, the the new operator. Yeah, like everyone's wondering where the fuck is Tank. Um, Apparently, he died off screen. Yeah, which is lame. Like, like oh, so we you looked it up the other day. Apparently, he lived that wound that uh, Cipher gave him yeah. with the fucking Darcidius unlimited power. <laughs> the BFP. Yeah, the BF the BFP. <laughs> Was a BFP stand for the big fucking Palpatine? I made the joke last time, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Apparent, apparently, he lived through that and then died off screen, which is the lamest fucking excuse. Just like, just say he had to go to a different ship. Yeah, that or I don't know, you know, make up some excuse like he had to fucking heal and he's in a back to tank or you know some shit. Like <laughs> he's healing that. in a back to tank like fucking <laughs> Starship Troopers or Star Except, Wars. Like instead of the the. Uh, juices that are in back to tanks with Star Wars. It's the fucking food slobs. <laughs> fucking Trinity goes up to the tank. Hey, you're dead. Oh my god. Three weeks and you're out. <laughs> like Starship Troopers. Oh shit. Uh, so they're in the Matrix. Uh, and th- this is something cool. You got you actually get to see the captains and the crew of other human ships in this small scene. They're meeting in the sewers. And excuse me, uh, Morpheus is meeting with the captain of other human human ships, and they're trying to figure out what to do about this. Excuse me again. Whose idea was it to drink Bud Light before we record? It was mine. <laughs> no, you brought it over, but I, you and I, I, I. That's that's true. I made it possible. Um. So we get word that a hu- uh, a Sentinel army is approaching Zion. Stop watching my arcade. I know it's beautiful to look at. I'm listening. <laughs> we get word that a, a, a Sentinel army is approaching Zion and they're digging. Mm-hmm. Um, they're digging like 200,000 meters in an hour or whatever their metric was. I can't remember, but they're, they're, they're making work. Yeah. Uh, it's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to he- reach Zion within a couple of days, it looks like. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Morpheus is like the religious radical. He says, let's kill them with the power of faith. I believe in the one. Yeah. And a lot of the captains are on board with it. They're like, this this again, Morpheus. God damn it. Fuck. <laughs> um, one thing that I've, I always found kind of interesting with this scene is that you can tell it's not just like Morpheus's crew that has this uh, particular aesthetic about them when they go into the matrix it's like it's everyone yeah whatever it's like once you're free they're like, all right here's your leather jacket here's your sunglasses <laughs> here's your onboarding paperwork here's your, here's your sunglasses here's your leather coat don't um, lose that otherwise you gotta pay to replace it <laughs> yeah everyone is rocking the same aesthetic that's that's funny yeah uh so apparently uh neo can sense other agents now mm-hmm. that's a power he just has now but Morpheus, he's telling the rest of the humans, I believe that the, 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 the one will bring about the, pro- the prophecy. The war will be over soon. Um, nothing's really decided yet. He wants one ship to stay behind to contact the Oracle. And this is why I say the plot of this first act is really messy, because you don't know why they can't get a hold of the Oracle. Yeah. You don't know why that she's been missing or whatever the fuck. Um, it's kind of hard to unta- It's really hard to unravel and untangle this first act. It's like a box of cords. That you left in your closet and you're like, I know there's an HDMI cable in here somewhere. Fuck. Yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like it'd be different if we saw them actively try to reach her and they're like, we can't get a connection. And then they go looking for her, right? But like, with it just starting out as, 
Yeah, she's fucking missing. We don't know why. Like, it's it's sloppy. Uh, and as much as I love this franchise, like, there's no other real way to phrase that. Somehow Emperor Palpatine returned <laughs> <laughs> like that. Um, and I wanted to add on, too, with Neo being able to sense when agents are nearby, it kind of comes off as Star Wars-y, honestly, with, like, the Force being able to sense other mm. Force-sensitive people. Um, which I wonder if they kind of, like, pulled that from it, because this was when, this would have been when the prequels were coming out. When did Phantom Menace count? Was that 2001? Um, no, that was 1999. I, yeah, I was gonna say, that was either, like, between 99 and 01. I think Revenge of the Sith came out in 2003. So, yeah, you were right, this is around the time where, at very close to when the prequels would come out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, like, there was sensing uh, between, like, David, or David, Jesus, Darth Vader, <laughs> and, um, Luke, and, you know, like, Empire Strikes Back, and uh, a little bit in Return of the Jedi, but it was a little bit more prominent with the prequels, I feel. Yeah. So, the, the meeting's taken place, Morpheus asks one ship to stay behind, one of the captains is really cocky, like, Shit, man, I'll stay behind just to see what they do to your ass when they lock you up when you get back. <laughs> You've got 24 hours, Morpheus. So one of the ships is going to stay behind and, like, stay on the Discord server in case Profit.exe enters or Oracle.exe <laughs> enters the chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at this point, some agents break through the door. Oh, no, did we go over the Agent Smith part? We kind of no, skimmed we, over that. Yeah, so... There's a knock on the door, and, you know, as Neo's making his way over there, the, uh, the guard, I guess you could say, or the bouncer, um, slides open this little, oh, there uh, this little slot, and he's like, yo, you know, um, piss take, off. <laughs> yeah. Gets handed a package and, uh, says that he's supposed to deliver it to Neo, and when Neo opens it up, it's, um, an earpiece of one of the agents, and he says that you freed him, or something like that. But you can tell by the voice that it's Hugo Weaving. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't really see the, the model or the silhouette. Excuse me, goddamn fucking Bud Light. You can't really see the model very well, but you can hear the voice. It's like, tell Mr. Anderson to give him something for me. I'm like, that's fucking Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, such a recognizable, distinct voice. But he gives him an earpiece, uh, telling him to, that he, he set him free. So set me free. <laughs> yeah. So now we know that Agent Smith is back for whatever reason. Somehow Emperor Palpatine returned. Yeah. Um, and then not a few seconds later, some real agents knock down the fucking door. And I gotta say, the agents in this one got a beefy fucking upgrade. Like they look like they work out at fucking total fitness every goddamn day for eight hours. Like Oh yeah, dude. They've been hitting the gym. All right. They're fucking they're going for fucking uh new PRs every time. <laughs> <laughs> and then Neo starts fighting them. And one of the best lines in the movie. Mm -hmm. Upgrades. <laughs> Upgrades. And this is when, I love how the movie gets right into the action, too. It doesn't really waste any time. Yeah, like, the first one, you know, they kind of had to build the world up. But with this, if you're a fan of the, the first one, you already know kind of what's going on. So they can just delve right into fighting. Yeah. Hunter, in your opinion, does this second movie get better or worse at the fighting? Or does it kind of stay the same? Um... I feel like it gets a little cheesier in the fighting, but I do love the fight scenes in it. Like, they're extended, it shows more of what they're, they're capable of doing in this world. Yeah. Uh, so, I say it's not so much that it gets better or worse, there's give and take with it. Okay. There's highs and lows. Yeah. 
Okay. So, like, I mean, as much as I love the fighting in it, the cheesiness does get to you a little bit. Like the fucking clones of Agent Smith that we just watched? Yes. There's some, like, the bolt. It's some moments in there where it's like, this is Looney Tunes shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like maybe at that point, too, is because of the, the restrictions that we had on, like, CGI and things like that. Because, like, that's part of, like, why it's cheesy, right? Like, it, it looks kind of... I don't know. I wouldn't say choppy, but cartoonish is yeah. probably the best way to word it. So after Neo fucks up those agents, he kind of like takes off in the air, his Superman thing. He's doing the Superman thing again. <laughs> uh, we had a small little scene with Agent Smith, like meeting a clone of himself. So now it's Attack of the Clones. Yep. So Another Star Wars reference. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when we're really introduced to our new operator, Link. There's not really anything you need to know about him right now. Other than he replaces Tank as the operator for whatever fucking reason because he died off screen. Um, and he has dreadlocks. So that's yeah. his defining feature is he has dreadlocks. Yeah, and like um you can kind of tell a difference between how they talk to Link and Tank already. Like they're, they're not lot, immediately fucking yelling at Link. To they're a lot nicer. They're a lot nicer at Link. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, maybe like Tank after the after the first movie, right? When there's that gap between the two. He just fucking sits around like, I'm really sick of your guys' bullshit, and you need to fucking treat me better. No. So maybe maybe he does go to a different crew, right? My, yeah, that's my headcanon now. My headcanon is Tank reported Morpheus to HR. <laughs> and instead of firing Tank or firing Morpheus, they just like, all right, we're going to transfer you to the B crew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my headcanon now. <laughs> we're going to transfer you to another department, okay? We want to keep you in-house. We really value your, your commitment here. You're one of our best and brightest. We're going to make an executive change in our management. Like, oh, you're firing me. No, not quite. No, we're just uh, we're going to rearrange things here a little bit. Uh, because after all, all the employees have a part in this corporation, and they need to do their jobs. And you will do your job. <laughs> uh, Neo goes back to uh, the Oracle's old apartment. And it's completely abandoned. Like, no one's been there in a long time. So Neo's looking for the Oracle. Uh, then we go back to the real world, and we see... Um, this is a really cool scene. You don't really see this anymore after this. Yeah. It's like Zion's mainframe. And there's a bunch of people in the control room. You know, the typical sci-fi pushing imaginary buttons in the air. But I like this black and white design. That looks really cool and clean. Yeah, and to me, honestly, because of, you know, who we meet later on in the film, it kind of has, like, the Matrix feel about it. Like, not the series, but the actual Matrix program itself. Oh, I can see that. But the Nebuchadnezzar is coming back to dock with uh, Zion, opening up the big-ass blast door. Open the blast doors. <laughs> open the blast doors. Uh, there's big-ass miniguns pointing outside, showing you that they're ready for an assault. Um, and then this really gorgeous scene really gives you the sense of scale of Zion. When the Nebuchadnezzar is entering the city, and you can see all the different ships docked excuse me, at the port. And this was my very first introduction to sci-fi mechs. So thank you, Matrix. Yes, they I look, do. They look fucking gorgeous. Um, and then later on, Avatar, James Cameron Avatar, did a good job with mechs as well, but... I feel like his model of mech was based off of these ones because they're very similar in style when you think about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that 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 
small profile on the arms, but the bigger profile on the torso and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But these fucking look cool, man. I, I just love... And their guns are equally as massive, too. Yep. It's just... Mwah, chef's kiss. Uh... So you get the real sense of scale of Zion, like, it's this underground, like, city, like a dock. And Nebuchadnezzar is docking. Um, not that kind of docking. There. <laughs> I've been resisting making that, making that joke the entire time. <laughs> uh, Morpheus is immediately greeted by a landing party. They kind of are trying to half-ass arrest him. They, like, they're kind of arresting him, but kind of not. Yeah. They, they want to take him to the, the counselor, or... No, they want to take him to, like... The guy that's in head, uh, 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 in charge of Zion security. I forget his name. Um, I can't remember his name either. Uh, Commander Locke? Is it Locke? I need to turn subtitles back on, actually. So we can, because uh, we have the movie on silent here in the background. Just kinda... Yep, Commander Locke. Oh, yep, you're right. So, yeah, so we have Commander Locke from Halo in here. <laughs> <laughs> just as bad. Fuck. What a fucking cardboard cutout of a character. Yeah. Halo 5 was terrible. But Morpheus is going to go meet Commander Locke. Apparently, Niobe, his old love interest, which we met in the sewers not too long ago, yeah, uh, is now dating Commander Locke. Yeah, but that's Morpheus's ex girlfriend. So, like, a little bit of love tension there. Morpheus and Locke kind of have issues. <laughs> I'm laughing because a scene came on. Uh, should we just get into it, or do oh, we let's get into it. Okay. I'm <laughs> I gotta stop myself and reserve myself. So Neo is on the dock. He's got his luggage and everything. He's on the he's on LAX and you know offboarding a plane. Yep. And immediately we're introduced to a new character. I don't think we know his name yet. No. But he's like a little kid. He's running up to Neo. He's like Neo. He's running up to him with a big ass smile on his face. And all I could think about was the oblivion, um, the adoring fan like. By Azura, by Azura, by Azura! <laughs> it's the grand champion! Dude, I think about that kid every time I see this part, too. <laughs> Can I wash your shoes? Back rub, perhaps. <laughs> he is sucking ne Neo's fucking dick the whole goddamn movie. He's like, anything I can do? Can I join your crew? Can I fucking fondle your chode, please? Anything, anything? Can I... Please let me on the Nebuchadnezzar? Mm. And you can tell, like, this is not the first time that he's talked to them about his, uh, you know opportunity to get on a ship coming up and that he wants to be on the nebuchadnezzar because uh neo the whole time he's fucking walking down this aisle just like yeah excuse me <laughs> yeah yeah i know kid i know i know shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah and they're you can tell they're all kind of indifferent to it like all right we've heard this before you want to join the nebuchadnezzar i get it i so neo it's hinted at that neo is the one that saved him from the matrix yeah like kind of played that morpheus role for this kid you know red pill uh blue pill all right let's get the fuck out of here yeah which i wonder since technically morpheus is his commanding officer if he had neo kind of take over pulling people out of the matrix like maybe morpheus would find the potential people that were already looking for a way out and then it would just send neo to go handle it oh absolutely i think neo took over morpheus's role as the recruiter yeah um because in the last movie, at the very end, he's on the phone with somebody, you don't know who, and he's like talking about, I know you're out there. You can be free. You just need to have the courage to take the first step. Something along those lines. Yeah. And then he hangs up the phone, and then he does a Superman thing, and then the rock music comes on. Uh, but back to the movie. So we're introduced to Commander Locke, 
and he's getting he's really ripping into Morpheus, telling him, Why did you disobey a direct order? Why did you leave one of our ships behind? And this is the conflict between Morpheus's religious beliefs and Locke is very much a pra practical kind of thinker, like Yeah, he's a very grounded person in the sense that he doesn't believe anything that he can't see or can't prove. Right. He's not a religious person. He's like, yeah. all right. The machines are coming to kill us. He's a tactician. He's like, I need every fucking ship here if we stand a chance of surviving this. I'm not interested in fairy tales. I'm not interested in, you know, religious, you know, banter or anything like that or hyperbole. I need every man, woman, and child with a gun. You yeah. know? He's like, he'd be one of those people that, like, I don't like the what if episodes of the Avengers movies. I just want the ones that are, they're ground, they're certain, they're 100% <laughs> it. Yeah. So, Link. I want to make sure I got that right. Link, the new operator. Yeah, Link's the new operator. All right, so Link and everyone is on. Um, they're they got their luggage and they're coming back to Zion. It's a really cool scene where you kind of see how the city spirals downward. Let me. We uh, can play for a few more seconds. No, no. Nice, get past it. I know, I did. Oh, Actually, here we no, go. It's gonna dip down right now. Here. It's gonna dip down. This is a really cool scene where you can kind of get a sense of scope for how big this city is. Like all these different, there's a center pylon with all these different bridges coming out and it goes deeper and deeper. And later on, we'll even see the, that's a, like, look at that. That house is fucking millions of people. Oh yeah. You know? And it really like brings into perspective that these, these people in order to survive had to burrow into the earth. So. Yeah. You know, I wonder if this was where they started and they just went straight down and then maybe, built it up from there. Maybe. Or they like they started at the level they are with the sewers and just kind of kept kind of digging downward. Yeah. Maybe that too. Because later on in the movie we'll get a scene of I forget his name, but he's like the main counselor dude. Kind of like the leader. Yeah. Um he's the, he's the old gray man. And you see like the the machining level at the bottom where the water processing is done. And all the different, you know, drillers that kind of go down into the earth. You see that later in the movie, too. Excuse me. Yeah, kind of. it kind of shows that, you know, they're not only willing, but they're wanting to get more people pulled out. So they're having to keep drilling down in order to make more room. That's an interesting thing. I, I didn't even think about that. Because Morpheus does say, um, I don't know if it's here or later on the movie, but we freed more minds in the past three years than we freed in the past 30 or something like that. It's during his conversation with Locke because Locke's trying to rip him a new ass for, you know, not coming back when he was supposed to and all that. Yeah. So he points out that with Neo, you know, um, they've been able to pull out more people in recent times than they have in the last forever. Or whatever. Yeah, they're dealing with a housing crisis right now. <laughs> Okay, so just for reference, the counselor's name is Counselor Haman, or Haman, or whatever. Probably Haman. I think that sounds better. Let me go back so it says it in the subtitles. Counselor Haman. Uh, right about here? One. Counselor H-A-M-A-N-N. Haman. Yeah. Oh, I feel like Haman sounds better. Counselor Haman. Fuck it, we're turning the, the volume up. We're going to figure this out. So... Oh, my headphones are We're going to figure this out. Damn it! It's Counselor Haman! Like, ramen, <laughs> top ramen. Yeah. All right. 
So yeah, Counselor Ramen enters the room. <laughs> <laughs> Counselor Ramen has entered the chant chat. So Counselor Haman uh comes in. He's entering the office where Morpheus is getting his ass ripped by fucking Locke. And Haman kind of takes a neutralist approach where he's not flat out disregarding the religious possibility. Yeah. He's kind of like being a, an even middle ground between Locke and Morpheus. Yeah, more or less he's really being a, like a a mitigator between the two like trying to hear both sides but not allow either one just go off on the other yeah he asked morpheus what he would advise about telling the people of the impending threat and he says we shouldn't hide anything from the people that army will never reach zion uh we have nothing to fear and the counselor's like i for your for all of our sakes i hope you are right he's not like disregarding the possibility of some kind of religious event saving them yeah. But he's not putting all of his stock in it either. Yeah, like, um, and this too, I feel like, kind of relates to modern day politics. Like, you know, the what people would determine to be the extremists saying, "Oh, uh, we shouldn't hide anything from the people." You know, make sure that uh, they they know what's going on, so they know what to expect. And like, there are others that are like, "No, we need to give them as little information as possible to avoid panic." Yeah. We've seen that before in movies like Armageddon or like natural disaster movies and yeah. asteroids come into Earth. Should we tell everyone and risk a fucking panic and having to institute martial law or should we keep it secret? Yeah. You know, but and then here we're introduced to a really spicy scene. Uh, the kid and Link get off the elevator and instantly they're like two fucking horny cats. Just Morph or not Morpheus. Neo and Trinity are just going to town. And we were talking like, what if the fucking, when they go down to the bottom floor and the doors open, if they were just full on getting at it and there's hundreds of people like willing to pay tribute, they're there to pay tribute to Neo. Yeah. It's like the doors open up like, oh, y'all need a minute? <laughs> and you're just rapidly pressing the closed door button. It's like, see someone walk over <laughs> and slowly press it for him. <laughs> yeah, somebody could like, here. I got you. <laughs> Take all the time you need. Yeah, we'll we'll be here for you, Neo. Just you do what you need to do right yeah. now. Hunter, keep the conversation going. I'm going to open up the window because it's fucking hot. Um, so we see you know all these people walk up the uh, the little bridge that's there to start paying their tributes to Neo, and uh, Trinity starts walking away. Like this clearly isn't the first time that this has happened. These people do this to him pretty much any time he comes to Zion, right? Um, this is like an average Tuesday for him. Yeah, like, she's like, you know, it's okay, they need you, they need you more, there'll be time or whatever. And, uh, walks off so that way he can do his, uh, essential Jesus thing, right? Like, yeah. blessing all their objects Can you kiss my baby, Neo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want you to bless my baby! <laughs> Some fat redneck Walmart trailer trash is like, kiss my baby! <laughs> um, so... We get to see kind of like the first comedic moment of the film, I would say, which is where Link walks into the walks into his front door, and he's in the middle of saying "Where's my pussy?" when he realizes, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> his kids are there. Yeah, there there are kids there. The uh, the sister of his wife, the sister in law, is there, and he stops himself midway through a pussy, like "Where's my pu?" Oh no, <laughs> Uncle Link! Oh fuck yeah! 
Imagine if he had like fucking a bottle of lube and like oh my god, like condoms and all these other things like in his hand. Like we want to get fucked tonight. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> puts it behind his back. Hi kids. Yeah, no shit. Just walks in with a, like a massive ass dildo. Like oh god, <laughs> we gotta test this out, baby. Oh, Uncle Link, you got a lightsaber? No, 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 no. Link, give me a hug. Okay, let me just put this away. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> So Link comes home. I, is that his sister? Is his is that Link's sister? I think that's her sister. Oh, okay. So <laughs> his sister-in-law. Technically. Yeah. So his sister-in-law with her kids. Um, little comedic moment there. They leave the room. You can tell that the wife is mad at him because we'll learn later on that he took on this assignment voluntarily. Yeah. And it's like kind of like the army where you do chores and you you won't be back for a certain amount of time. Um, and she's mad about that, like, you've been gone nine months, nine fucking months, and I haven't heard a goddamn motherfucking thing from you. She's been really sassy. Uh, she's mad at him that he's taken on this assignment. Um, isn't she the sister of Tank and Dozer? Yeah, Tank and Dozer were her brothers, so that's kind of like one of the, the reasons that she's upset with him for not only, you know, going on to uh, one of the ships to... I guess do battle or whatever you want to see it as like do a tour. Yeah. Um, but it's specifically the ship that her brothers worked on where they died. So she's concerned that he's going to follow that same fate. Yeah. She's like that, that ship is haunted. I don't want you near that shit. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so she's just mad. Let's skip past this. There's not really much to this. She's just mad at him. They make up. Uh, the, the adoring fan by Azura, by Azura, by Azura. <laughs> we see him again. Uh, oh God, is this the scene that I'm thinking about? Um, oh, fuck it is. This huh? is shortly before it. Yeah. Okay. So we see a lot of people going into like the stalactite cave part of the city where it's not really machine anymore. It's more like the earth. You know, you see these crystalline structures going up and down the caves, lots of tribal looking clothing. And it's going to get really freaky, really weird here in a second. But the Chancellor Hanan. Hey, is it Hanan or Hanan? Uh, it's Haman. Haman. Okay, Ch Chancellor Haman. Haman. Ma -ma -ma -ma. <laughs> <laughs> Chancellor Haman is speaking to the people. And he's letting them know. He's like the entry speaker. He's really just entering. Uh, you know, he's the prelim. Morpheus is the main event. Yeah. Like, really, he's, he's his hype man. He's Morpheus's hype man right now. He's like, someone who hasn't speaking here, spoken here in a long time, Morpheus, come on down. <laughs> come on down, show what they've won. Uh, Morpheus looks pretty cool in this scene. He's, working, he's rocking a really awesome fucking, like, tunic or vest. Got a cool little red necklace on. But he's like, Zion, hear me. And tell, he basically makes the decision to tell the people about the machines that are coming to the city. And I'm surprised nobody freaks the fuck out. I know. Like, you don't see any panic in the crowd the entire time he's talking. Like, I could understand it if when he gets to the end, you know, they, <clears throat> they all get hyped, right? And they're, um, they get their confidence up. But I'm surprised that during his speech, once he announces the fact that machines are headed their way, like, there's not a bunch of fucking chaos. Like, people running towards the back. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah nobody freaks out which is just insane uh so we learn that from morpheus's sentence that for 100 years this war has been going on 
That might just be a rough estimate, but he says, I remember that for 100 years, we have fought these machines. So we're getting like little crumbs, little, little tiny chicken nuggets of lore dumped on us, you know, here yeah. and there. It's not much, but it's something to help kind of build the universe around, build the, the background lore of this universe, I should say. Exactly. So they've been at war with these machines for roughly 100 years. Um, so after Morpheus's speech, he's like, tonight, let us shake this cave with our booties. And <laughs> someone just twerk the walls off of this cave. Somebody put on Little John. <laughs> and this is Zion, and we are not afraid. And then we go to the. This is one of the weirdest scenes in this whole fucking movie series, man. They get into this very tribal, like, kind of dance. It's like and, a tribal version of a rave. Like. Yeah. It's, it's. You know what it is? It's, uh. It would be like if Paintiff was fucking just dumbed down or like fucking de-evolutionized. So take out all the fucking electronics of it and this is Paintiff right here. Yeah. This is uh, Mardi Gras in Zimbabwe or some shit, you know? Uh, God damn, they go at it again. Neo is just kind of waiting there. It's, um, I just realized that's kind of like exactly how it looked like when Neo was... In the first movie, he's at the Rob Zombie fuck fest. He's up against a pillar kind of by himself, and then he sees Trinity. Except this time, he um, automatically embraces her. Yeah. So, a little bit of the same situation, a little bit of the same setting. And there's not much to this next five minutes. It's just a lot of dancing and a lot of fucking. Um, there's <laughs> we go to our first real sex scene where... Uh, what's her name again? Carrie Ann Moss? Yeah. Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves are getting a lot of butt action going. Uh, let's just get past this. Not really much. It's really yeah. weird. It goes on for fucking like seven minutes. Like it goes on for way too long. And then finally, when it all it all ends, you know, Neo, uh, he's staring down at Trinity's face, has a vision of her dying again, falling down the the skyscraper. Yeah, and he, I, I think it like. I don't know, made him go soft, so he just rolls over and is like, I'm, I'm done, I can't do this. I'll <laughs> um, uh, oh, go ahead. So I was going to say, like, you know, Trinity starts asking him what's wrong, and it, it ends with them cuddling, and then it moves on to the next scene. Yeah. So, Morpheus has this little tiny scene, it's not much, but he, like, looks over this Pierre, and it's really, really beautiful scene, like, seeing Zion at nighttime, all the twinkling lights, it almost looks like stars. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, um, I will say the one scene from the dance that I personally find funny is uh, when, what the hell, what's his past interest name? His uh, love interest, Niobe. Niobe. Yeah, so Niobe walks over and she's talking about how, oh, I remember that you used to be a good dancer. And uh, you can kind of see Morpheus get his, get his game back, right? He's like, you know, some things don't change. Yeah. Then Locke fucking catches the two talking to each other like, hey, Niobe, let's go. Like, Some things, however, do change. <laughs> yeah. So then we go to a little scene. It's a pretty quick scene. I honestly forgot about it. But it's the crew that Morpheus left behind of the other ship. They're in the Matrix, and they're getting, I believe it's a message from the Oracle that they're trying to get to Neo. Yeah. I don't know why they can't just Snapchat or some shit. Don't they have the Matrix... Can't they plug into the Matrix anywhere, or do they have to be outside in the sewers? That doesn't make know. any. 
they, they make it sound like you can't be in Zion to plug into the Matrix. You know what? I wonder if it's because they don't want to be in Zion to attract the... the oh, there. that's... That's yeah. a... Okay, that's a good fucking theory. That makes sense. Um, and I kind of got a theory, too, because I've been thinking about this while I uh, was at work this last rotation. Um, the reason why agents don't die and you just see, like, you know, them defused with whatever uh, person that they had taken over... Mm-hmm. they leave the corpse before it's actually dead. Mm. Like, what happens if they stay there? And- oh, then the program will actually die? Yeah, so they, like, they, they dip out. Yeah. Like, all right. Uh, you know, I'm returning to lobby. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you die in Dark Souls, if you just close browser quick enough, yeah, you won't actually die. Yeah, like, I kind of feel like that's... You won't lose your souls. That's how that happens. Or people in online matches where if you're starting to win, they just pull out the fucking... I'm getting invaded. <laughs> I've had that happen many a time in Elden Ring where I'm fucking choosing. I, I invaded someone and I have them almost dead and they just fucking dip out. Yep. Aggravating. Back to the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I really like that theory. I, that's my headcanon now is that the reason why they don't plug into the Matrix in Zion is because eventually the machines will triangulate your position. Yeah. And. Obviously, the machines now know where Zion is. They're digging into it, but maybe that's why they didn't do it in the first place. Yeah, and it just became like it became a protocol. Protocol, like find a random spot in the sewers, uh, jack into the matrix, and then reposition. Yeah, before they triangulate you or whatever. That's my headcanon now. But anyway, back to the movie. Uh, it's the crew, um, two crew members of the other the other ship. They have a message from the Oracle. One of them gets out in time. You know, answers the phone. And the other guy gets completely fucking killed by uh, Agent Smith. He, like, jabs him with his hand and, like, T-1000 metallic wa- uh, liquid assimilates him. Yeah. So, that's kind of cool. Um, and because he assimilated him, we can infer that he died in real life, but his consciousness is now Agent Smith. Yeah. So we don't really understand how that can work. And, you know, we had to, like, do a little suspension of disbelief. It's a movie about robots in a fucking cybernetic internet. Let's dispen- suspend our disbelief a little bit, okay? Yeah. So we get to see um, this n- new um, human-smith hybrid leave the Matrix. Yeah, and now he's aboard the other ship and going to cause all sorts of mayhem later on. Yeah. Um. And Neo, he's had that post-nut clarity. <laughs> he has to go out for a walk. God damn, they're leaving shit at his doors. Dude, all right, so wasn't it last movie where they said that the only food that they can have is, like, this watered-down corn syrup schlop? What the fuck is all this? Well, that's, like, mushrooms. Maybe it's, like, when they're, when they're out and about, that's all they carry on them, and the rest is at Zion. That's got to be food, right? Some kind of food? I would assume so. I mean, it looks like something you would eat. They, they leave a bunch of offerings on his doorstep. They look like some kind of like freeze-dried... Maybe they're just prepared in different ways to give it some kind of flavor. Maybe. You know, maybe that's freeze-dried, that cornmeal schlop, and maybe this is like strung out like, like a cheese or grated. And Yeah, to try to help make it to where like you're not just eating the same thing every single day. Yeah. So... And that- then someone just dropped off a giant pile of fucking rocks in a bowl. <laughs> Here's a bunch of rocks in a bowl, you fucking dick. Um, and for some reason, Chancellor uh, Hanan, Hanan, this is going to get me. 
This is gonna get me every fucking time. It's like Cypher from last week. <laughs> I know. Uh, Chancellor Hammond is just kind of doing his old man walk. You know how old old people, boomers, they like to go on fucking walks in the middle of the night. You know, he's just out here and about, and he says, "It's a nice night. How you doing? Would you like some company?" And he goes on his old man fucking talk. You know, back in my day, blah blah blah. He, very philosophical. They go down to the lower levels. I like this scene a lot, actually. Um, you can see all the heavy machinery in the background. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one of the lowest levels of the city, where the water is purified, and uh, they probably drill into the earth a little bit more for resources. Um, it's a pretty cool scene. Even Chancellor Haman, I got it right. Chancellor Haman says, all these machines... I don't know how any of them work. <laughs> um, you get the sense that this has really been a generational. Like this guy is probably what in his 70s. So maybe when he was born, the human robot war was already like 30, 40 years. Yeah. In, in, in its infancy. Um, you get the sense that this is a generational city. And that maybe the people that built it, they're, they're long dead. And really the people that live here now, they only know how to maintain it. If everything were to fucking break down, they're dead. Yeah. Like, they don't know how anything works. They just know how to keep it oiled and greased, more or less. Well, it could be, too, that maybe um, his family was, you know, the, the leaders before him, so he never had to actually, like, be in the midst of running it and everything. His job was to keep the city maintained and the people, and he had other oh, people take care of it. Like, political, yeah, he yeah, was the it political could be like, like yeah. a royalty kind of thing. So he kind of goes on, Chancellor Haman goes on this philosophical, hypothetical, like, what's the difference between us and the machines? You know, can we live without these machines? What is free will? You know, are we really free if we depend on these machines for our, our oxygen, our water? You know, just kind of throws out all these questions without really expecting an answer. Neo just eventually says, Chancellor, what are you trying to ask me? What point are you trying to make? No point. I'm just going on one of my old man fucking spiels. Yeah, know? I'm just, you know, I'm just talking, man. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just uh, want to want to sit down and chit chat with you. Talk about the old days. Yeah. But it does introduce an interesting question of free will and control, right? That's the, one of the main, probably the, the most centric theme of these movies is free will and control. Yeah. Um, we'll learn about that a little bit more later on in this movie. And more more the third movie but do we want to talk about the theory now or we probably want to talk about the theory later the theory of free will and yeah so because then we'll be able to kind of address it a little bit more because it's actually like brought up in okay. film we won't but... cannibalize future content right now yeah. so just keep that in your mind right now about the motifs in this movie free will um you know control and these levels of control you know the machines, are you really free if you have to depend on them? Just keep that in your mind. So, skip through this. The old man does his old man talk. Uh, Neo gets woken up, uh, given a message from the Oracle on this little fucking SATA drive looking thing. <laughs> um, so, the crew is getting all assembled. They now know they have to leave to the Matrix to go respond to the Oracle. And for some reason... Agent Smith, who's now in the body of one of the crew members, is just cutting himself. Which I wonder if it's like the sensation of pain or being able to see like actual blood come out of himself. Because we never, I mean, 
Oh, it's new to him. Yeah, like he's experiencing a new sensation or something like that. He's not just listening to Linkin Park and be like, crawling in <laughs> my skin. <laughs> you leave them out of this, they're a beautiful band. Well, that wouldn't be kind of accurate. They did come around. That's, did that album come out around 2003? Um, yeah, it was early 2000s for sure. It was definitely, I want to say before 2005. Yeah. So I'm willing to bet it came out roughly between 01 and 03. Okay. So Agent Smith in the human body, uh, taking control of the human body, is trying to full-on fucking assassinate Neo before he gets on the loading dock to board the Nebuchadnezzar. And they turn around at the last second. And oh, his name is Bane. Of course his name is fucking Bane. Right. Um, so. And we're introduced to uh, Bane in uh, Agent Smith form. He's trying to assassinate fucking Neo. And saved by the fucking bell, man. They all turn around at the last second. And actually, I think it was the kid. Because he's like, Neo, wait for us. And they all turn around. But he's like, Bane, what are you doing here? Oh, I just wanted to say good luck. Yeah. Very Agent Smith sounding voice. Um, And then the adoring fan, by Azura, by Azura, by Azura, (laughs) uh, shows up again. He, uh, one of the orphans. One of the orphans wanted to give him something. Uh, I think that's what he says. Yeah, it's one of the orphans that has a gift for him. Yeah, one of the orphans. And it turns out to be the metal spoon. So does that mean that that orphan, one of the potentials in the first movie, is now a real person living in this city? That's kind of something that I've always questioned, too. Like, whether it's that they become a real person, like they got pulled out themselves, or if it's that... Um, I always assumed they were other programs, not real that's, humans. That's what I assumed too. Uh, or if it was that one of the the children had gone to see the Oracle at a young age and happened to find, mm. you know, that they saw the potentials with the spoon, and that was just like their way of yeah. giving them a callback. For reference, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, for reference, in the first movie, there was this bald, ang-looking motherfucker uh, <laughs> that shows Neo a spoon. Try not to bend a spoon. That's impossible. He sounds like the little British kid from episode three. Anakin Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? He makes me think of like a child version of um, one of the main bad guys from Resident Evil. Oh, God. (laughs) But he's the little kid in the first movie that says not bend a spoon and said it is your mind that bends. Um, But... We can infer that it's this, we're just going to hypothesize that it's the same kid, it's a real human being, they were freed from the Matrix 2, and they're living in this city. And they're trying to give Neo some, like, advice or pointers. You know, remember, it's not you, it's not the spoon that bends, it's you. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of on that same line of thought, like, do you think in order for that kid to get pulled out, he had to pull an Agent Smith and take over somebody else? <laughs> no. No, he was un- unplugged like like Neo was, probably. But that'd be, that's fucked. Like, the little fucking bald Asian Ong just stimulates someone else. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but I have to take your consciousness. <laughs> You're all going to die down here. <laughs> it's not your, mo- your mind I'm taking, but your body. <laughs> Uh, so our next scene, um, Commander Locke, the commander of the, uh, the defenses of Zion, uh, he goes to Chancellor Haman, I got it right, Chancellor Haman, and he's like, why did you uh, approve the Nebuchadnezzar to leave? 
am I not still in defense of this city? And Chancellor Hallman is like, to be frank, I don't believe our survival is going to be determined by how many ships we have. I think Chancellor Hallman is doing the numbers in his head like, dude, we're fucked regardless. Yeah, like, like they're going to be able to bombard us with way more firepower or um, bodies, essentially, than we already have. Yeah. Chancellor Hallman is not necessarily, like, super religious like Morpheus, but he's willing to grasp at anything at this point. Because there's, in his mind, there's no way that we can defeat the, the machines conventionally. Yeah. Like, we are fucked. There's no, we have, like, a 1% chance of surviving this conventionally. If there's any way we can, even if it's, like, a small chance, we gotta try to figure out something else. Yeah. So, um, that's that scene with them two. Uh, Neo jacks back into the Matrix. So we can assume that they went out into the sewers, found a spot, parked, and left the engine on idle. Um, and they go back. He goes back into the Matrix. For the first act of this movie, we hardly see the fucking Matrix. Yeah, like, there are small glimpses of it. But, I mean, to be fair, when you think about the first film, we didn't see Zion at all. So I guess they, so. So we got to make up for lost time. Like, Yeah, they're trying to set the lore for Zion itself. And um, one thing I kind of want to touch up on that I've noticed as the difference is, you know, before everyone got plugged in in the first movie, they'd already have their eyes closed and stuff, right? Like, with this one, we just watched Neo get plugged in, and his eyes were wide open, and then shut, and then he's suddenly in the Matrix. Like, you literally get to actually see his consciousness transfer from real world to the Matrix, which I, I think is kind of a an interesting... Um, uh aesthetic choice that they decided to go with like it really lets you see that they're not it's not that they're just like you know downloaded or whatever like you literally see them transfer from one place to another yeah that's a cool effect yeah and this is where i have a lot of problems with this movie's plot is because all we know is that neo got a usb drive from the oracle that's all we know at this point and for some reason all of a sudden uh neo goes into this asian bazaar opens up a random door and he's greeted by this program who was really glowing in terms of so neo sees things digitally in the matrix he doesn't see things normally he sees all the lines of code and he sees like what what's working behind the hood or under the hood right yeah and this is kind of something that they started in the last film right like after he uh, after he died and like looked down the hallway, everything was in code. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. I couldn't. I couldn't quite remember. That's when he was woke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neo is officially woke, but he sees this um this Asian dude sitting in a the corner of the room drinking tea. We don't know anything about this dude yet. We don't even know why we're here, and that's why I have a lot of problems with the first half of this plot or the first act of this plot. It's just a lot of contrivances moving from one scene to the next. You don't know what's happening, what's going on. But anyway, let's get back into it. Uh, he sees that this program is just absolutely glowing. Like his, his power level, it's over 9,000. <laughs> um, he says, you seek the Oracle. Who are you? Neo replies. And the guy just says, before we begin, I must apologize. Apologize for what? This. And they just get into an unnecessary fucking fight it's like the directors in the movie said all right we we've gone 20 minutes without a fight we need to have one here yeah like i don't know how this would explain neo being neo like because that's kind of what i felt like it was a test to make sure that neo was actually himself right like not somebody just trying to impersonate him yeah 
Uh, so I feel like someone that would be in this in th this level of a role, like this high uh, importancy, not knowing who the fuck Neo is. Especially yeah. after he started freeing all these people and, you know, he does his Superman thing. Like, who wouldn't fucking look up in the sky like, oh, there's a dude flying there. What <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, his response is, you could have just asked, no, you do not truly know someone until you fight them. What? What kind of logic is that? I need to know who you are, so I'm beating the shit out of you. Who are you? It kind of feels like some real stereotypical fucking Chinese or, uh, like, I guess more kung fu in general. Oh, shit, culture. Right? Yeah. So, we don't know his name. I, I, I really, I'm just going to call him Bruce Lee uh, 2.0. <laughs> I, I, there, there's no other way I can describe him. Bruce Lee 2.0. Uh, Bruce Lee dot exe. Uh, <laughs> I made you gag. <laughs> Bruce Lee dot exe opens up a random program door and there's the Oracle. And it's the same Oracle from the last movie. We just talked about this. They recast the Oracle for the third movie. And I think she died, right? The actress that plays the Oracle in the first two. Um, I didn't look to see if she had died. I did see that they replaced her. So this actress is Gloria Foster. Um, well, when did she die? If she died in like 2003, that's our answer. Uh, well, let me take a look, quick look. Okay. So I'll keep talking about this. Yeah. Whoa. What? Oh, that's interesting. So they had to have shot this um, before September of 2001 because she died. Do you think this is... At, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. She died almost at the very end of September in 2001. Do you think this is reused or repurposed footage? I don't think From so. the first I, one? Well, I mean, we kind of touched base on this already, but like... Like they pulled a fucking Princess Leia because Carrie Fisher died? <laughs> I don't think CGI would have been up to the task then, because even then, like, the CGI that they've been using... Oh, no, I'm not saying, like, a deep fake kind of thing. I'm saying, like, this is a cut fucking scene from the first one. I don't think so. I think with how everything's proceeded, this has definitely got to be new, newer footage. Okay. But what I think happened is they filmed this movie in, like, you know, early 2001, maybe early 2000. Right, like uh -huh. shortly after the first movie came out, two thousand one, two thousand two, probably. You know, excuse me. So they filmed it. They were able to get her in, and the reason they released the other one the same year was after she died in two thousand one. That's when they started filming the second one, and they had to recast her. Okay. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to do some research on it, but I'm I'm not too interested in it. Point is, she uh, kicked the bucket, and she's not in the third one. But for here, we get one last scene with her. We don't really know why she's been ignoring our Skype calls. She's, pro she's probably been on the run, right? Yeah. Maybe the machines are getting word that she's helping the humans and she's having to run for her life, stay on the move. Um, and that's why this Bruce Lee.exe is playing her bodyguard, you know, be and he's always saying, we got to go, we got to go. Yeah, like, he's using that hallway with all the different doorways to move her to a different part of the Matrix so they never know where, where she's, she's at. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, when you think about it, wouldn't it make more sense for her to just, as boring as it would be, hang out in the hallway? Like, do they even know that that exists? That's, that's something that I've kind of been thinking about that ever since I first watched the second and third movie. Like, I wonder if they have a triangulation on that or um, if they have to move her between one place or another because they, they know it exists, but they can't find a way to stop it. Yeah. So, 
they're in this little basketball court. Uh, Neo asks, how can we trust you? And all these other va- uh, questions. And the Oracle just gives very vague responses as she does, you know, as any cryptic, you know, fortune teller does. They don't give you the answer you want. They give you a, another half answer that leads to more questions. <laughs> I see your future. <laughs> uh, she says, it's really up to you. Believe me. Don't believe me. It's up to you. You um, make up your own fucking mind. I'm done doing this shit for you. <laughs> yeah. So, but she does tell him, I'm going to skip through a lot of this. It's a lot of word salad, but she does tell him that, you know, oh, did she just pull out the red pill? No, it's uh, it's a piece of candy. Oh, it is a piece of candy. Yeah, Ooh, piece he, of candy. she offers him a piece of candy. He, he asks her, you know, um, do I if take you it? already, if you already knew that I'm going to take it, how do I have free will? Oh, that's a Twizzler. It's a fucking Twizzler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which kind of delves into this whole thing of like, you know, your decisions, you made them long before you're just, you're going through the steps of actually making. Them. Yeah. And we actually talked about that as we were watching, uh, this section not too long ago before we started this episode, I had the theory that the Oracle's powers are not mystical. There are a lot of, like, religious symbolisms in these, mil- in these movies, these three movies. Yeah. Like, a lot of Jesus symbolisms, lots of religious, you know, um, allegories and all that. But I honestly think that the Oracle's powers of foresight are not mystical, and it's more... An, an extremely advanced AI learning algorithm that can predict your actions. Yeah, I like that theory a lot. Like, it would make more sense than just, oh, you know, she knows everything of what's going on. Like, having some sort of database to be able to be like, if since he's made, you know, X, Y, and Z choices, he's going to make double A this or A, B this or whatever. <laughs> Have you seen the movie uh, uh, Don't Look Up? Um... It sounds familiar, but I can't say I've seen it. Okay, so it's this, it's a satire, um, like Armageddon, right? So Armageddon, this asteroid's coming to Earth, and this this version of it, don't look up, it's very satirical. They got Jonah Hill, they got fucking uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It's a very comedic film, Leonardo DiCaprio. And one of the tech billionaires, he's like the Jeff Bezos or the fucking Elon Musk of that movie. Yeah. He owns a company that can predict when you'll die. <laughs> And oh. <laughs> he, it's very much played for laughs. Like, I know exactly, my tech analysts know exactly when you'll die. You're going to die alone. No one's going to remember you. I have 36 data points that tell me that you're an alcoholic depressionalist uh, and you enjoy, you run away from pain. And he's wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Are, you, are you talking about the movie or are you talking to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this tech billionaire, he's talking to Leonardo DiCaprio's character. He's saying, <laughs> I have 36 data points that tell me exactly what your psych profile is. And I know exactly every single health condition you have and when you'll develop it before you even know, like that's obviously sat- a satirical movie, but it got me thinking like, that's the future, man. The future is we already live in an age world where if you say something, Facebook will automatically pick and choose target specific ads based on your psychological profile yeah it's kind of like you know a couple years ago when i had to get new tires for my car i mentioned tires you know in a handful of conversations all of a sudden i'm getting emails about it i'm seeing Mm -hmm. ads on facebook so it's it's not uh too far off to imagine like that's kind of where the future is headed to where right certain algorithms are going to be able to predict shit like this yeah obviously we're living in an age where that's 
in its infancy, but with like programs like ChatGBT and all that, you know, technology is accelerating at a very startling pace. Who's to say that in maybe 30, 40 years, excuse me, uh, AI algorithms could predict our actions before we even make them? Yeah. You know, sorry if you just heard my dog, he likes to freak out random shit. But anyway, that's my theory about the Oracle, why she has the gift of foresight. And she's telling Neo all this cryptic things, but the meat and potatoes of the conversation is she says that to end the war, Neo has to go to something called the source. Yeah. Which is like the main data hub of the machines. And it's that's the motherboard. It's the motherboard. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the CPU, the main, it's like Skynet. You know, we got to yeah. shut Skynet down. You have to go to the source. Um, and that's how the, the path of the one ends. That's where the path of the one ends. Yeah. Um, and the Oracle leaves by telling him, you have to find the key maker. Uh, he's being held by the Merovingian. We don't know why. And here's an, another symptom of the weak ass first plot, first act of the movie and how the plot suffers. Like who's the key maker? Why do we fucking need him? Don't know. Accept product, consume product. Yeah. Go it, find him. Exactly. Like it kind of goes on almost new Star Wars kind of vibes. Like they they took the idea of here, we're just gonna throw shit at you and then use that for this new yeah. sequel. We need a new sequel. Yeah. Don't don't question why. Move along with the plot. Go. Oh, you need a we need a Sith dagger. And we need a Sith dagger, yeah. but C3PO can't read Sith writing. So now we need to go to this weird fucking planet to hack C3PO. And then he can read the second, the fucking Sith writing on the dagger. But then it weirdly correlates with the wreckage of the Death Star. Yeah, like somehow they managed to predict that all of these things would happen. And then there's like this little fucking extendo part of the. <laughs> I was gonna say that uh, this weird extendo part. And they pull a Goonies thing where she, Ray holds up the Sith dagger and it shows exactly where Emperor Palpatine's throne room is. And then we go to Emperor Palpatine's throne. It's just like this MacGuffin after MacGuffin, contrivance after contrivance. Like, fuck, dude. Yeah. This is bad. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's kind of how this fucking film goes for a good portion of it. Like, there's a lot of shit that we don't know. They just, like, they throw it at you. Like, you're going to accept it. You just, know why? Just go along with it. <laughs> accept the plot accept it accept it there you go there you go here's a cool fight scene there you go there you go but uh so now we we know we have to go to a program called the merovingian he's holding the key maker why do we need the key maker don't know fucking we'll learn about it next episode uh the oracle has to leave she has to dip out the yeah, bodyguard Jetly dot exe is standing by the door. Is like, hey, bitch, we gotta fucking get the fuck out of here, like right now. Yeah. So this is probably a good spot to end it. The Oracle gives him a cryptic message, cryptic advice. You know, the meat and potatoes is go to the source, go fight the Merovingian, get the keymaker, and we'll go from there. I guess. Yeah. Like, th this is your path to be able to get to where the one is supposed to end. Right. the The first act of this movie, the plot is really rough. Yes, um, very much so. There's a lot of um, open-ended questions, a lot of things that aren't answered, and they just, you know, they expect you to just run along, follow with it. it, and go. Just swallow, take it like a good girl. All right. <laughs> I was gonna say that too. God damn it. Um, 
But this is a, probably a good spot to end it because Agent Smith, right after or the Oracle goes back into the doorway and goes God knows where, yeah. um, Agent Smith walks into the courtyard and we will talk about that next episode. So that's a good spot to end it. Um, Hunter, what are your thoughts of this first act of the movie? So as far as the first act goes, I like the fact that they ramped up the fighting. They just, there's more fighting in this than the last one. I understand they needed to build up the lore and whatever. Um, but I feel like they, they left too many things up to us to try to have to like either wade through or um you know kind of decide for ourselves why they're doing this or doing that it's too open-ended it asked a lot of the viewer yeah it's very viewer demanding on being able to decide what the hell is happening like even i i love the matrix and i love lore building and world building and i love little easter eggs of you know like when I play a game, I, I, I pick apart the little notepads and little audio files that you find in the game to build up the game's world. Yeah. When I watch a movie, I analyze every single scene and I watch the backgrounds of the film and I build up a little story in my head for the lore and the background of this world. And even me, I was having fucking trouble trying to piece together what was going on in this first fucking act. Yeah, and it, it doesn't help too that like, they have it to where there's so much, um, like, kind of gaps, I guess, between each section to where, you know, it's, don't get me wrong, love Lord of the Rings, gonna use a Clerks 2 reference here. There's a lot of walking in this first, in the first. <laughs> this is an audio podcast, but I'm literally seething at the fucking mouse right now. There's a lot of walking and a whole lot, like, not a whole lot going on as far as actual um plot development or even action wise right i mean we get to see a couple of fights but it starts to it's really to hold pick your up. interest like yeah so you don't exactly. fall asleep yeah it, the, a lot of the fights in this first act while they're good they're contrived yeah like the fight with uh the bodyguard that we just had bruce lee to xe 2.0 that was contrived as fuck it's like hey we need to have a fight here otherwise the audience is going to fall asleep yeah, like, realistically, did they need to do that? Was that a fucking a main point in the story? No, but if they knew that because of how they were going about the story, like, people are going to start to lose interest because there's not really a whole lot they're giving us so far. Yeah. Well, that's a good spot to end it. Next episode, um, hopefully next week. Uh, I should mention that the reason why we're here, I thought that we wouldn't even be here, but I... I thought that building a my new PC, we'd be fucking AWOL for at least three weeks. But no, it happened beautifully. Nothing went wrong. So I'm happy to be here uh, because it could have very easily went wrong. Yep. <laughs> and we'd be without a podcast for like three weeks. So thank God nothing went wrong. Yeah. Thank God that you're not dumb and you somewhat know what you're doing. <laughs> so yeah, built a new PC. Hopefully that helps with the audio quality a little bit. We didn't get any emails this week, so let me reiter reiterate that one more time. If you would like to send us an email, we would love to hear from you. Our email is contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. Um, also, I would like to add in that we just started a YouTube channel for little shorts that are going to be they're going to be snippets of um, you know our our podcast put with clips of the movie mashed together. Uh, so that's going to be virtual tavern 2023 on youtube 
and we will eventually get on TikTok. We're working on that at the moment, so we will let you know when that oh. is up and running. Oh, so you're volunteering to oversee the TikTok. I, I, will, I appreciate I will, that. I am more than happy to oversee the TikTok because that is more my thing. You are better with the YouTube uh, interface. Okay, that's how we will divvy it up then. I'll do the YouTube and you can do the TikTok and I'll send you the files. Yeah, you send me the files and, uh, you know, once we get my PC built, I will be able to handle that aspect. Yeah, you can you can manage TikTok. I don't want anything to fucking do with that. So I'm going to there's a line of demarcation that I'm I'm <laughs> this is the 40, 54th parallel, you know, no crossing none. <laughs> but anyway, this is uh, episode. No, episode one of season two of the virtual tavern. We will catch y'all next time. Goodbye.